This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include an update on Apple updates. Apple released several in the past week. We've got a caution about a full disk access permissions issue in Ventura. Is selling blue checks good for the Twitter ecosystem? We have a few words on the dangers of verified accounts on social networks. And we take a look at one of the newest changes in macOS Ventura, System Settings App. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing okay. We've got the usual news about Apple releasing security updates just after we finish recording our podcast, don't we, Josh? Yeah, this is a typical thing, right? Apple waits right until we're done recording, and then they release new updates. So last week, right after we recorded the podcast, Apple released iOS and iPadOS 15.7.1, which is available for any device that could run iOS 15. Hopefully at this point, you've probably upgraded to iOS 16 or iPadOS 16 if your device supports it. If you have not yet, or if you have an older device that cannot be upgraded to the latest 16 version, then that's what 15.7.1 is for. It fixes the same actively exploited vulnerability that was addressed in 16.1 and some other vulnerabilities as well. So that's available now. We also got some more information about some other updates for watchOS and tvOS. Yes, you'll recall that last week we talked about how watchOS 9 and tvOS 16 still did not have any details about the security vulnerabilities that were patched in those releases. And so last week after we recorded, Apple gave some information about what security vulnerabilities were patched in watchOS 9. And then also last Thursday, the day that our podcast was released last week, they gave some information about what vulnerabilities were patched in tvOS 16. And again, these are not the later updates. These are the original releases of 9 and 16, respectively. WatchOS 9 had two actively exploited vulnerabilities addressed, and yet we still have nothing for WatchOS 8 for those poor people who just bought it Series 3. Um, sorry, no updates for you. tvOS 16 did not include any actively exploited vulnerabilities, but it did patch some other things. Okay, Xcode was also updated on Tuesday if you're a developer. And we just want to briefly discuss one known issue with macOS Ventura 13.0. You may have noticed in the past couple of years that you have to grant full disk access to certain apps or sometimes access to your downloads folder or your desktop or documents folder. And there seems to be a bit of a bug with full disk access in macOS Ventura 13.0. Right. This is one of those issues that I alluded to last week when I said I'm, we're kind of monitoring to see what's going on with some potential issues that some people are experiencing with Ventura. This is one of those issues. So this affects basically everybody who has an app that needs full disk access, which is usually things like antivirus software, which needs to be able to scan every part of your drive, right? Could be also backup software and other things like that. This issue is that in some cases, full disk access is not properly granted if you've upgraded to macOS Ventura. And so really, sometimes you can fix this by reinstalling that app. Sometimes that works. In other cases, it may not necessarily work. Now, not everybody's reporting that they're experiencing these problems. If you've already upgraded to macOS Ventura and you're using, for example, Intego software and you don't seem to be experiencing a problem, 
Okay, well, it may not be a problem for you. If you have not yet upgraded to Ventura, it's probably a good idea at this point to wait until 13.1, which is coming soon. It's in beta right now, and it does address this full disk access issue. Okay, there's a bug that Apple fixed in iOS 16.1. Yeah, so this is something that is being called SiriSpy, and the developer who discovered this vulnerability, he says that any app with access to Bluetooth could record your conversations with Siri and audio from the iOS keyboard dictation feature when using AirPods or Beats headsets. And he said this would happen without the app requesting microphone access permission. Now that's interesting. And he said without the app leaving any trace that it was listening to the microphone. So yeah, kind of a serious vulnerability and nice to know that that is, has been patched in the latest iOS 16.1 update. Okay, last update, OpenCore Legacy Patcher now supports Ventura for the 2013 Trashcan Mac Pro. You must be happy about this, Josh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so if you happen to have one of those black trash can Mac Pros, now you can run macOS Ventura on it. However, if you've still got anything older than 2012, eh, it may be a while if they ever get around to being able to add functionality for Ventura on those models. I had a trash can Mac Pro for a while. I really liked it. It's a really nice Mac. You can probably get one cheap on eBay. There's only one problem. The airflow that was coming up the bottom meant that cat hair on my desk went up into the thing and you had to kind of take it apart and clean it every now and then. So if you have pets, it was not well designed. Okay, today, the main topic we want to talk about is the danger of verified accounts on social networks. And the reason is, if you've been using Twitter, you know that the chief twit, Elon Musk, has decided that the blue check mark that you get on Twitter for proving that you are who you say you are is something that is going to be sold. Originally, he was talking about $20 a month. Now he's lowered the price to $8 a month. The thing about that blue check mark is it's not a status symbol. It is Something that proves that you are who you say you are. Okay, well, first of all, we should put a big asterisk on this whole conversation, because anytime that Elon Musk tweets something, that does not necessarily mean that there's been a final decision and the company is definitely moving in that direction, right? Um, he he kind of tweets off the cuff a lot. He's done this. He's gotten in trouble for this in the past with Tesla and so forth. It makes investors crazy. Well, hold on. It doesn't just make investors crazy. He tweeted once that he was going to take Tesla private. and you can't say that sort of stuff because of the rules around the stock market. And he had to pay a $40 million fine to the SEC and he was removed as chairman of Tesla. Right, exactly. So this is <laughs> just because Elon Musk says something doesn't necessarily mean that's he's floating this idea. That's really what it is. He wants to see what kind of feedback he gets. But his current you know, idea is that why don't we monetize Twitter? You know, we're not making enough money here at Twitter. Now he, he just spent $44 billion on this company. And so he's like, what can we do to make this company more profitable? And so one of the ideas that he had is why not charge people a monthly fee to allow them to have the blue check mark to get verified. And well, that might sound great. Listen to what Twitter says are currently the reasons and requirements for verification. They say the blue verified badge on Twitter lets people know that an account of public interest is authentic. That's a key point, the public interest. They say to receive the blue badge, your account must be authentic, notable, and active. Okay, so the main thing here is the notability and public interest. 
that's what people expect when they see the blue check. They are assuming that this is somebody that maybe somebody might try to impersonate them because they're in some way a public figure. And so when people see the blue check, they immediately assume that that is the person that they expect it to be. Exactly. Someone on Twitter pointed out this morning that the blue check is like a trademark. When you buy a can of Coca-Cola, you know it's Coca-Cola and not Joe's Cola in a different can. Of course, Joe could sell his cola in a different can, but it wouldn't be long before you know he got arrested or, or sued or whatever. It doesn't mean that you're a better person. And if anyone can just pay the $8 a month, of course, they'd have to provide identification to prove that they are who they are, but we'll get to that in a second. But if anyone can pay $8 a month to get the blue check mark, it has no value. And part of the value of this is that Twitter users see the people with the blue check mark and consider that, well, I can trust what they say. One of the things that Kirk and I have both observed over the past week is that it's relatively easy for somebody with verified status to change their name and their profile and appear to be somebody else. We've seen people spoofing Elon Musk using his exact current Twitter avatar and his his real name and then changing it back, right? Because they wanted to get a bunch of retweets. They wanted to get notability or whatever. And we've also seen people impersonating Donald Trump over the past week because, again, Elon Musk has just purchased Twitter. And so there's been all this speculation that maybe Trump is going to come back to Twitter. And so there have been people who have with verified status who have changed their name and their avatar to exactly match what Trump used to have on Twitter. And so they're, again, looking for retweets. And one of those tweets that I happened to notice this past week had tens of thousands of retweets. And so this is obviously a very big issue. If now we're going to just, uh, if Twitter is going to just decide that everybody gets the blue check, all you have to do is pay for it. Guess what the scammers are going to do? Like one of Elon Musk's things with purchasing Twitter was oh, we want to get rid of all the bots, right? That's one of the reasons why he wanted to take over Twitter is to make it more authentic. And now it seems like what's going on if he goes forward with this idea is that everybody's potentially going to be able to just spend eight bucks to get tons of almost free advertising for whatever and impersonate anybody they want to for eight bucks. I mean, what a great deal. We know it's not easy to get documents to prove that you are someone who you are not, right? Even if it's your own face on an ID card and your name happens to be Bill Gates or you've got a fake Bill Gates name, it's not that hard. Now, I'm thinking more of the kind of scam where let's say someone, I don't know what their name is. Their name is Josh Longer, for example. And Josh Long gets a blue check and he decides to change his avatar to Apple support avatar and change his name to Apple support. And he scans on Twitter when people say, oh, I'm having problem logging in with my Apple ID. And Josh responds to the person, well, DM us and we'll help you. And then Josh asks, what is your Apple ID and password? And this is going to happen, whether it's for people harvesting account information like that, whether it's actual monetary scams, whether it's politically oriented scams, this will happen. Now, you might say, OK, but they're going to look at the at handle of that person and see that, oh, that doesn't seem to match. Yes, sometimes. But 
all they need to do is scam a small number of people. It's just like spam, right? Spam is not very effective for the vast majority of people who receive it. They're not going to click on a link, but that tiny percentage of people who are going to click on the link is what monetizes spam and makes it such a problem that it's not going to go away anytime soon, right? And so that's the thing. All it takes is for a handful of people to fall for a fake message or a scam direct message or whatever it might be. And now this becomes something that's a much bigger problem than obviously Elon Musk is thinking about. He's not coming at this from a security mindset, clearly. No. Now, imagine that you want to pretend that you're Bill Gates. Maybe your name actually is Bill Gates, right? He's not the only Bill Gates in the world. And you want to have a Twitter account with your handle that's Bill Gates, and it's spelled B I. Digit one, digit one, Gates. And that's not hard to do. And you can spend eight bucks a month to get your little boot check, and then you can put Bill Gates' picture as your avatar. Now, that's an extreme example because Bill Gates isn't going to be doing scams. And you'd have to be really foolish to think that Bill Gates is going to tweet, I'm going to give you a million dollars. But take someone a bit lesser known, a, a mid level celebrity or something, or someone who's promoting something. This is going to, this is going to happen almost immediately if Twitter goes forward with this. I'm only enough to remember those forwarded email chains where, you know, if you forward this email, Bill Gates will send you a thousand dollars or whatever, you know, and there were people who actually believed these chain letter emails and forwarded them to all of their contacts. And of course, Bill Gates actually never made such a promise. I am old enough to remember, and I mentioned this before on the podcast, I wish I had saved this. I once got an airmail letter from a Nigerian prince. It was handwritten. This is in the early 90s. It was handwritten. It was this whole thing, both sides, you know, that, that thin airmail paper about how he had all this money and I was going to help him. And I just... I had no idea what it was because I'd never heard of the scam before. It would have, I could have sold that letter on eBay. That would have been like a historical <laughs> document. Yeah, predating the popularity of the internet. That's actually pretty cool. Okay, so we're going to keep our eyes on this. As Josh said earlier, just because Elon Musk said he was going to do this doesn't mean he's going to do this. It's worth thinking about how much this is actually worth because they would be wanting to do this to earn money, right? I read today that the financing, the interest on the Twitter acquisition is costing about a billion dollars a month, right? Because he put up a certain amount of money, but he borrowed a certain amount of money from banks. Now, there are currently a little over 423,000 verified accounts. If all of those people paid the $96 a year, that's only $40 million a year. You'd have to have hundreds of millions of people paying for the blue check just to cover the interest, let alone make any money off of this. Hmm. Well, maybe he needs to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the new system setting app in macOS Ventura. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users for over 25 years. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal backup to keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Ventura and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. 
and click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Indigo Mac podcast listeners. Indigo, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so it's Mac OS Ventura time. And I know I asked you this last week, but you still don't have any Macs running Ventura, do you, Josh? No, again, because I've been kind of monitoring this situation, I'm, I'm, I've decided, okay, as soon as 13.1 comes out, I'm upgrading right away. Okay. I have no other issues about upgrading, except I just want to make sure that those initial bugs are fixed. Okay. Well, today we want to talk about the system settings app. You may have never heard of the system settings app because you're used to system preferences, which is what it was called, I think, in every version of Mac OS X until last year. System settings is a big change, and it's probably the most visible change that you'll notice other than the desktop wallpaper if you use the default. Because instead of that, how would you describe those panes spread out on a sort of square there, the kind of panes aligned and like icons on a square. Instead of that, you've got a sidebar with a bunch of icons with names after them, which is almost exactly what you get on iPad OS. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's one of the big things that's different with the new system settings app is that they've redesigned the entire app and put basically all of the big bubbles that were kind of in the middle before where you had to click on an icon and then it changes the entire shape of the system preferences app so that all of the settings related to the thing you just clicked now fill the entire system preferences app, right? That's how it was previously with Monterey and earlier. Now with system settings, you get something that looks exactly like, as you said, iPadOS or iOS, where you've got the bar across the left side. It's got a listing of all the different categories. And when you tap on it or click on it, in the case of macOS Ventura, now you get all the settings related to that that load on the right side pane. Now, there used to be an interesting hack in system preferences. You could choose to display those icons in alphabetical order instead of what seemed to be random groups. Here's the hack in system settings. Go into the view menu and you see all of the settings panes in alphabetical order. So if you're having trouble finding something, use the view menu. It'll be a lot easier to find what you're looking for. You can, of course, also still use the search function, just like you could previously as well. Well, it's not also use the search function. It's the search is vastly improved over the way it was before. So. Some year, I think when Spotlight came out, they introduced this search system and system preferences that you would type a word and you would get like little circles of light over the icons for the preferences that would have something behind them. Now you get results in the sidebar and if you click them, you go right to that pane, you go to that sub pane, or you may even go to a dialog box that opens if the thing you're looking for is behind a button like advanced. So huge improvement in terms of searching. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I'm looking forward to that. I, I feel like it, it, it wasn't a great experience in Monterey and earlier. And so it sounds like that's vastly improved really in macOS Ventura. So they've combined a lot of these settings panes in different ways. And one thing I find really interesting, we used to have a security and privacy preference pane. Now we have a privacy and security pane. It's interesting, isn't it, how they switch the order? It's almost as though Apple really cares more about privacy than they do about security. Or that they're thinking that users are more concerned about privacy than security. 
Yeah, well, you know, Apple's marketing push in the last several years has been focusing on privacy, right? That Apple is privacy, and they don't really say too much about security in their ads. And privacy and security do tend to go hand in hand, but they're, you know, not interchangeable. And so that's a very interesting point that Apple has put privacy first in that name. So when we connected on Zoom before starting, our producer, Doug Adams, said to me, I can't find the login items. And since I just happened to update the article on the Intego Mac security blog about users and groups, I was able to tell him that it's in the general settings and it's not in the users and group settings anymore. The general settings is kind of interesting because it lumps together a bunch of things like it's got the about, it's got software update, it's got storage, which used to be available through the Apple menu and then clicking a few times. It's got a setting for airdrop and handoff. It's got login items. And that's a little bit unexpected, but in some ways it makes sense because that's something for you, right? On the other hand, at the bottom, it's got sharing. It's got time machine, transfer or reset and startup disk, which are more system features. So it is still a little bit confusing. Yeah. And that is something that is going to take some getting used to, right? If if you frequently use the system preferences, <laughs> there's a lot of things that have been rearranged. Now, if you're already used to using the iOS settings app, then this might be a familiar experience and you might not be too surprised if, for example, you know that you go to general and about to find out things like you know, uh, amount of storage that you have on your device and things like that. You can follow that same thinking to find those settings on Mac OS now. Another thing to point out is you may remember the little padlocks on the bottom left corner of the system preferences app. They don't exist anymore. So previously, if you wanted to change a setting or access a preference pane, you'd click the padlock. It might be dimmed until you click the padlock, you enter your password, and then you can access it. Now what happens is you only know that you need to enter a password when you try to change a setting that requires a password. Now, on the one hand, the, the padlock keeps people from futzing around with things. On the other hand, was it really necessary? I don't know which is actually better, but if you don't see the padlock and you're surprised that you can access the kind of settings you expected, just try to change something and you'll see when you need to enter the password. So I mentioned before that they combine the preference panes into new settings groups. Previously, there were separate preference panes for mission control and startup disk. And I mentioned startup disk is in general. Mission control is in the desktop and dock pane. There used to be a desktop and screensaver and dock and menu bar. And now, of course, it's desktop and dock, wallpaper and screensaver. Siri and Spotlight were two panes. Now they're one, Siri and Spotlight. So a lot of things have been moved around. The, the best thing to do is search when you don't know. And a, a lot of people, including our producer, didn't think he could search. And if you search, I'm going to just type login while we're doing this. And I see things like login items, internet accounts, lock screen uh, login options, password sharing. I mean, the search has been really improved. In the past, it wasn't very efficient. And I would say the same thing for iOS and iPadOS. Search did not always return what I was looking for in settings. One last thing, the system preferences window was a fixed size. But the system settings window is partly resizable. You can make it taller, which can be really useful if you go into the settings like accessibility where there's hundreds of different settings. You can make it taller. However, what I did notice is I use Backblaze for online backups. 
and they haven't updated their settings pane to fit the new system settings app. So when I click on Backboy's backup, the system settings app gets wider to match the size that it was in system preferences. So if you have any third-party preference panes, you may see that change. It's the only one I have, and it's the only one I've seen that changes the width of the system settings app. That's something that I was actually kind of curious about. Like, what happens with the existing panes? Like, what? where do they go? So they, they do get their own icon, similar to what they do in iOS. But that's interesting to know that it's, it <laughs> resizes the window to, to match the, the size of the pane. So the other thing that I, I wanted to point out, since you were just talking about how on the left side of the window, you've got all of the th items listed here, and you can change the height of that window. And that makes a lot of sense because you may want to be able to see additional settings on the left side. One thing that may not be obvious to everybody is that on the left side, there's a whole bunch of additional icons, right, uh, and additional settings below the fold and you have to scroll down if you want to see them. Now, this is something that it's the same on iOS, but it's not as intuitive because again, on the Mac, we don't have a touch screen interface and you kind of have to know to either hover the cursor over that area and scroll with your mouse or two finger scroll on the trackpad to be able to see additional settings there. And so this is one of those things that's kind of not super intuitive in my opinion. Right, and so what you should do is go into the appearance settings. In the section it says show scroll bars, change it to always because the default setting is, I believe, when scrolling. You have three options, automatically based on master trackpad, when scrolling, and always. And when you change it to always, you'll see a proportional scroll bar, which gives you an idea of how many more settings there are. and. Not only in the sidebar, but I'm in the accessibility settings. There are, I don't know, about 20 different settings. So the fact that you have the scroll bar lets you know that there's more. There were a lot of complaints by people using the beta of Ventura about this in system settings, that there's no visual clue to people who have this default scroll bar setting to know that there's anything more to see. Exactly. And of course, you could search still, but I mean... It, it's not it's not as intuitive. Just know that if you don't have the scroll bars on that you can scroll with this, there's a lot more. You know, there's one thing that I miss out of this. Uh, there used to be those back and forward buttons in the toolbar of system preferences, and that's not there anymore. So sometimes I would go to one preference pane to change something. I'd want to go back to the previous one without going to the main screen, and you can't do that. And that was a really useful tool. I mean, we see that in browser windows. A number of apps have that. I'm surprised they removed that from the system settings app. Yeah, I imagine they probably did that again, just to try to make it match iOS a little bit more because there is not that type of functionality on iOS. But at the same time, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there because in system preferences, again, like the interface was entirely different. And so uh, wh what else would you do? You had two options. You could either go back or you could tap on the waffle icon to see all of the icons again. Y you had one option or the other, or you could search, I guess, to try to jump directly to something, but it was much more complicated the way it was before. Or you could use the view menu. Don't forget the view menu, which is really practical ah, yeah. because it's in alphabetical order. And I think most people never paid attention to that in system preferences, and they probably won't notice it in system settings. Having it in alphabetical order is a big plus. That's a great point. Yeah, I've, I never really used the view menu. I think I've used it like twice in my entire lifetime. So 
it's nice to know that that's there as well. I'll try to remember that next time. Okay, that's enough for today. Next week, Josh is going to tell us how he likes macOS Ventura because I hope he's going to update by then. I hope 13.1 will be out by then. (laughs) And we'll talk about some more new features in Ventura. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.